Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. A mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Let me tell you about John Brown. Tall, slender, prematurely gray. He's been a shepherd, a tanner, a farmer, a surveyor. He was undoubtedly the man who lit the fuse which started the war of brother against brother in America. A man who hated bloodshed, yet took up arms against his own country to free all slaves. How and why John Brown believed himself the chosen one is the mystery of a soul we will explore today. Something's hanging from that tree. What? It's a Negro. Great Lord in heaven. Father, you, you know who it is? Talbot. He worked at Huffmasters across the road. He, he hanged himself. You sure he wasn't strung up? I'm sure. He came to see me this morning. He said his wife had been sold to a man in New Orleans. I said to him, will you join our company? And Talbot said, No, I don't have anything to live for now. Our drama, But With Blood, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by James Agate Jr. and stars Fred Gwynn. I shall return shortly with Act One. dawn. The Civil War hasn't started yet, but it will. John Brown and his fellow abolitionists and some 30 hostages he has taken are holed up in the fire engine house at Harper's Ferry. Colonel Robert E. Lee, the Marines, the militia, troops from Charlestown, Martinsburg, Shepherdstown, and Fredericksburg surround the brick building. Inside, the man whose only aim in life is to free the slaves calmly commands his handful of men. out of sight. A quick look from your window. If they fire, return the shot. Or if someone's taking aim, pick them off. Thompson, keep loaded, you're loaded and ready. Yes, Mr. Brown. We can't hold them off. There's no hope. Let, let's give the white flag one more try. We tried it, Oliver. Nothing doing. Every man we set out to surrender has been shot. A white flag means nothing to them. We're right, you see, and they're wrong. It's easier to shoot down than to listen and try to understand. It's always been that way. Thompson! Thompson! Clean through the eyes. Dear Lord, comfort this man's soul and take care of him. Father, Father, why are we going on with this? It's only a question of time before they rush us. That'll be the end. I'll tell you why, Oliver. Because we are independent and equal, and we have declared it. Please, Mr. Brown, sir, I want to surrender! Don't you understand it's better to die for a reason than live for none? I don't want to die. Now, where's that written? Who wrote that? God? We wrote it when we declared our independence. Father, Father, you told the others to get down. Now, don't you stand up there like that. All men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Father, get down. Among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
that whenever any government becomes destructive of these ends, (laughs) it is the right of the people to alter and abolish it. That's what we're doing by trying to abolish slavery. Now take courage, all of you. God is on our side. (laughs) Father! Father! (laughs) Where is he? You can't. Let me. Follow me. The pain will, will pass. heaven, who would have thought I should die so far from home? Father? Father, can you hear me? He's breathing very slowly. There, I've got his shirt open. Oh, he's been shot in the chest. Dear Lord, I obeyed all your commandments. It is too soon. Too much is left undone. I cannot come to you yet. The young... Who are being taught slavery of the Negro is a fact of life. They are being led into hell. That school in Connecticut. That school in Connecticut, when was I there? Oh, Lord God, a hundred years ago. We are fortunate to have as our guest speaker, Mr. John Brown, the gentleman beside me. I'll begin by asking all of you some questions. How many of you have read Uncle Tom's Cabin? Uh, show of hands. Uh, no one. Well, read it. It tells a true story that you should be told of the atrocious and sacrilegious system of breeding human beings for sale and trading them like cattle in the market. If you were born in Africa yesterday, you might command a good price in New Orleans tomorrow. We would, sir. 80,000 human beings raised every year and sold to the highest bidder. It's an evil, a great curse. A great curse. Father, it's Oliver. Oh, and I I think the wound in his chest has stopped bleeding. Father, can you hear me? It's me, your son, Oliver. Is that you, Oliver? Who, Who is that? The militia has spread men all around the firehouse. Father, I'm going out with a flag of truce before we're all killed. Force is not the way to end slavery. Fire with fire. Force is the only way. You remember? Remember, remember Mary. Mary Ann. You were the strong one. John, what is it? Why don't you finish your dinner? I'm just thinking, Marianne. You used to like my bacon and cabbage. What are you thinking about? To everything there is a season. (laughs) Oh, Father, not the Bible when we're eating. Oliver, you behave yourself. Time to be born, time to die, time to plant, time to pluck up that which is planted. Oliver, that's in the Ecclesiastes. Yes, we know that, Mother. Oh, and Jason, and you too, Oliver. You pay attention to your father. Time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of peace, and a time of war. What do you mean, John? Well, Father means there'll be a war between those who hate slavery and those who'd keep it. No, Oliver. Not a war to be fought by someone else. But a force of arms to be used by me, and you, and you, my sons, their wives, and, and, and my Mary Ann. Push aside your chairs and the table and, and kneel with me. 
Mary Ann, you know what is in my heart. Will, will you leave the vows? We are all bound by a sacred oath to secrecy and to... to... Devotion. Devotion. To the purpose of fighting slavery by force and arms. Amen. Amen. Owen, I bound up Father's wound, but I can't bring him out of his sink. Sometimes his eyelids flicker. That is why I am calling a halt to this insanity. He mustn't die. I can hear all the, my thunder, but I cannot speak. My, my lips won't move. Nothing moves. I'm, I'm paralyzed. Father, do you hear me? I'm putting a stop to this. I can't let you lie here, your life ebbing away. Ebbing away. Man, oh, who would have thought I would die so far from home? Oh, when did the harsh words between us begin? It, it was your fear that spoke, not your heart. Do you, do you remember Kansas, Marianne? We should never have come here, John. Kansas is closer to hell than I want to be. How is our little boy feeling now? John Jr. is so brave. Yes, he is, my dear. Who could have done such a thing to a six-year-old? Cowards don't care. They'd kick a kitten. When little Johnny walked in that door, his eyes swollen, his lips cut holding on to that wretched piece of paper. I hate it here in Kansas, John. I hate it. What liar was it who said this is a free country? If you don't think as they do, believe what they believe, they attack you. We must stay here and fight it out, Mary. So that someday it is a free country. We mustn't be intimidated by those who hate us because we preach against slavery. Is uh, John Jr. sleeping? I don't think he is. He's in too much pain. A little tight. Oh. But just the same, I think... I think he's proud to have stood up to those bullies and told them, yes, the whole Brown family is dead set against slavery. What does it say on that piece of paper they gave him? It doesn't matter. It's all illegal. John, don't put me off. It's been torn from the legislature's code of punishments. Go on. Any person, by speaking or writing who asserts or maintains that persons do not have the right to hold slaves in this territory, and so on and so on. John, those ruffians whipped our boy to make us read this, and I want to know what it says. All of it. Any denial of the right of persons to hold slaves in this territory, such persons shall be deemed guilty of felony, punished by imprisonment at hard labor for a term not less than five years. I can't believe it. To pass such a law to take a six-year-old boy and beat him up for that? No, no. I don't think I can stand this much longer. You can and you will, Mary. What is going to happen? There will be a war here. I, I must find ways to fight back. Will it ever end? Yes. The way it began was spilled blood. Tell Oliver to come in here with pen and ink. I... 
wish to dictate some important notes. And if uh, John Jr. is asleep, kiss him for me. If, if he's awake, tell him I'm very proud of him. I'm ready to write down what you tell me, Father. This book I've been reading, uh, The Life of the Duke of Wellington, is a great help. The section on the Spanish guerrillas, how they held off the enemy. Mm, Spanish guerrillas, got that. Uh, on page 196, important instructions on discipline. Uh-huh. On page 235, descriptions of the mountainous Spanish countryside. That, that is exactly what we have to look for. Countryside. Yes? Uh, look for deep and narrow ravines where 300 men could check an army. Underline army. Do you know any places over here where we could do that? And uh, write down, select from Harper's Ferry, Virginia, Little Rock, Arkansas, San Antonio, Texas, Augusta, Georgia, and St. Louis. We have to get in there, Oliver. Capture the slaves held there. Or better yet, arm them so they can rise up and escape to the north. Have you been to these places yourself, Father? Most of them. But it's military action I'm weak on. I'm going to go see Danny Woodruff. He was a colonel in the War of 1812. We've known each other for years. He's no friend. I'm not a soldier. He is. He could help. Danny, if you don't want to help me, I'll understand. But you will keep this a secret. Well, I'm just as much against slavery as anybody else, John. You can say what you want. I won't betray you. I know that. You agree, Danny, that the best place to attack would be Harper's Ferry? Oh, yes. There's a federal arsenal at Harper's Ferry, if that's what you want to know. It's no secret. <laughs> yeah, we've talked for almost two days, and somehow I don't feel any closer to knowing how to go about this than when I walked in that door. John, I am not going to teach you how to overthrow the U.S. government. That's not what I'm asking. Just that you be aware of our cause. So, here's the plan. A, attack the arsenal at Harper's Ferry. B, that would frighten the state of Virginia, which would pass along the word to the other states. Slavery is a hot potato. Look what happened to us. And lastly, C, inside that arsenal must be a store of rifles and hundreds of rounds of ammunition. John, you're not going to arm the slaves. Oh, yes, I am. Don't you see, Danny, once it's in Virginia's backyard, it'll bring the whole South to a boil. They've been threatening secession for months. If I can hold the Virginia militia at bay at Harper's Ferry, the South won't accept that insult. They'll renounce the Union. <laughs> They'll secede. Well, I wish you luck, but I can't wish you more than that. Uh, where are you going from here? To find money to purchase the arms, to capture the arsenal, to free the slaves. Money. The root of all evil. <laughs> you don't remember your Bible. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. I love freedom more. We don't have to look further than today's headlines to read about those who take the law into their own hands. Today, we admit the righteousness of John Brown. Is it because we have become more humane? 
Now the only trick remaining is for humanity and the law to go hand in hand so that the law becomes not the people's enemy, but its best friend. trying to unravel the skeins that have woven the pattern of life of John Brown. We know he is God-fearing and God-loving. We know he became obsessed with the ambition to put an end to slavery. It is now June of 1859, about the time he decided to go underground and to change his very name. You see the need for it, don't you, Oliver? Well, I think so, Father, because of the danger. Because there must not be danger. Our reputation in Kansas must not be known in Virginia. So... It's definite, then. Harper's Ferry, yes. John Henry Cagey endorses it, too. He knows Virginia very well, and he says the town can be taken. It's the plan we worked on? Yes. Hold the town hostage until the North comes to our rescue. Keep making night raids, freeing slaves, then ducking back the arsenal. Do we have enough men to do it? Not yet. Or enough money to buy arms. But I'm hopeful. Well, of course, uh, once we take the arsenal, there'll be plenty of rifles. Do you think our friends up north will see that slavery is something to fight for? How can they avoid it? A war between north and south? A, a civil war? Is that what you want, Father? We're fighting God's war. And we're the advanced scouts. And the front-line troops. <laughs> I hope your plans work out. I tell you, Oliver, first night I give the signal, 200 slaves will rise up. Maybe as many as 500. I'll arm half of them, and we'll make a run for the arsenal. Whatever guns and ammunition we can't carry off, we'll destroy the rest so they can't be used against us. But you said we'd use the arsenal as a headquarters. Now you say we'll carry the arms away. We'll have to act according to the situation. Father, have you honestly thought this through? Uh, Harper's Ferry is a federal munitions factory and storehouse. They'll be sending troops down from Washington. Let them. We have to. We'll move back to the Alleghenies and hold out there. Don't you see? We're carrying the torch. The whole North is going to see the light. Make sure the pro-slavery states are overthrown. All right, if you say so. Well, uh, what's first? First off, find a place to live not too far from Harper's Ferry. Large enough for our little provisional army. Cross the river from Virginia and Maryland. That's where we're looking. You, Owen, and I. I'm ready. I'm sure Owen is, too. We'll find some hotel down there as a base while we're looking. Now, you said something about changing our names? Hmm. We'll register as I. Smith and Sons. Smith? <laughs> you couldn't have a plainer name. Hmm. Could be the name of any man or every man. I guess. Yeah, I. Smith. <laughs> it will also do for all men. <laughs> Gentlemen, allow me to introduce myself, John C. Unsell. I noticed the three of you walking through the fields here, and I said to myself, I haven't seen these men before in these parts. They must be strangers in Maryland. Perhaps I can help them. Uh, my name is Smith, Mr. Unsell. My, uh, my two sons, Oliver and Owen. Mm, I see you're carrying surveying instruments. You prospecting for gold or silver? Neither, Mr. Unseld. We're out looking for land. We want to buy land. And Dr. Kennedy passed away and his family is looking to sell. About four miles from here. Would they consider renting? 
Mm, we might. Best way to get to know a place, I'll say. Uh-huh. Yeah, look, boys. I'd like that, Potter. Be glad to take you there. There's a problem. Well, don't tell me you've changed your mind about this farm. How can we have our provisional army assemble here, live here, and have our arms and ammunition moved in without causing suspicion? Oh, you mean the neighbors might say, what are all those men doing down at the Kennedy farm? Uh, I'll have to keep them hidden. Most of them. We have got to look like there are real families living here. That means we've got to get our women here. I've written this letter to Marianne. I want you to go home to North Elba and personally see if she gets it. Martha will come, too. Now, that'll be two women, mother and my wife. Hmm. Besides, they can cook and keep house for all of us, so we look like a big family. Not an army. Dear wife, can you and Martha come and make me a visit? I think you will find the Kennedy farm most comfortable. I find I must have women of my own family with us for a short time. You need not bring anything but your plain clothes and a few sheets and pillowcases. Have your bags plainly marked, I Smith. I want you to come right off. Do not say anything about coming here to your neighbors. Oliver can explain to you the reasons why. Your affectionate husband, I Smith. It is dangerous, Mother, that's why. You don't have to say any more, Oliver. I haven't lived with a Damocles sword hanging over our heads since I married your father without knowing danger. His provisional army, when are they coming down? When father gives the word, soon, I expect. They go direct to Chambersburg, and then John Henry Kagey takes them at night in a hay wagon to the Kennedy farm. The same method to get us our supplies, and no one's the wiser. Is that how Martha and I are going to travel? No, no. You both can take the train to Harpers Ferry quite openly. Mm-hmm. After all, you're just Mrs. I. Smith settling down on a farm with your husband, Mr. Smith. Just like Martha will be settling down with me, her husband. And I want to go see her now and tell her the good news. We'll all be together. You know, when I'm with your father, I'm not at all uneasy. You worry less when you know what you're worrying about. <laughs> What are we waiting for, John? More money, more arms, more men. Fifteen cases of ammunition came yesterday. Not enough. How, how many make up our army, Marianne? Twenty-one. Yeah. Sixteen white and five Negroes. And we have to leave Owen and two more here to keep supplies coming when we're in Harper's Ferry. That leaves eighteen and myself. Is that enough to take an arsenal? John, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Please don't do it. Don't try to storm that armory. It would be fatal. Give up taking the armory? For what? It's an attack on the federal government. It'll put the whole country against us. Why have you left it till now to say this? We planned this in North Elba months ago. You were going to have 200 men, 500. Even so, John, you are going into a steel trap. You get into that arsenal, and you will never get out alive. Don't do it. There must be some other way. Mary Ann, there is no other way. I recruited in Canada. Promises. Where are those men? Where are those who gave me their word in Ohio? In Pennsylvania? All promised to be at my side. I know there aren't enough. God will help. 
I remind myself that with faith, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. I know that, John. But you are not Joshua. Just a minute. Mr. Brown, I got a letter I want you to see. It's me, Bill Dandy. I'd push it under the door. Denby's wife. I know what it says. Makes my resolve even greater. Because Bill is a Negro? Because he's one of five Negroes, all of whom had escaped slavery, and still they came back here with me to fight it. I'd like to read his wife's letter. Yeah. My dear husband, now that you are so close to the farm... I pray that this endeavor you and Mr. Brown have come for will make it possible for you to buy me and the baby who has just commenced to crawl. Do it soon, for if you do not get me, somebody else will. My sister Emily was sold yesterday and torn away from her children. Dear husband, come soon. I want to see you so much. That is the one bright hope I have before me. Bill Denby has seven children. How could I desert him now? Father. Father, wake up. What, what, what is it, Oliver? Do you hear that? That? Huh. Nothing but an owl. Go back to sleep. It's too dark outside. Father, look. Way off there, toward the hill. There's someone with a lighted torch. He's moving this way, but... Look, there's another torch. It's a second man. You're right. Yeah. We'd better go outside and stand by the door. We can't let anyone come in. Father, taking our place by the door isn't enough. We have to take our rifles. Something's up. The torches are moving further away. Yeah, but they'll be back. If not tonight, then some other night. Why don't we start tomorrow? Do it. Why wait any longer? Yeah, take Harper's Ferry. We haven't as much as five dollars left. The men will have to go out and work somewhere if we haven't got the money to feed them. Besides, cooped up here week in, week out, always hiding, it's destroying them. There's something over there in the orchard. Hmm? On that big tree. Yeah. Yeah. You see it? Something's hanging from that tree. It... Great Lord in heaven. Father. It's Talbot. He worked at Huffmasters across the road. Uh, he's hanged himself. You sure he wasn't strung up? Oh, I'm... I'm sure. He came to see me this morning. He... He said his wife had been sold to a man in New Orleans. I said to him... Will you join us? And he said, No, I don't have anything to live for now. The following night, Captain John Brown and 18 men started on a journey from which none would return. As they left, John Brown's son looked back at the farmhouse and said, If we succeed... Someday, there will be a United States flag over this farmhouse. If we do not, 
It will be considered a den of land pirates and thieves. I shall return shortly with Act Three. The Provisional Army, as Captain John Brown calls his company, takes hostages in Harper's Ferry, which is no more difficult than if someone with a gun walked into your house. Then the little army forces their entry into the arsenal with a threat and a crowbar. But the plan to occupy mountain positions and make raids on slaveholders never gets off the ground. In hours, government forces surround the fire engine house in which John Brown lies wounded, dying, as does his cause. <sighs> We're wrapped in a trap. Why didn't we leave when we had a chance? We awakened the whole country. Now they're shooting at us like traitors. <laughs> they, they are the traitors, Oliver. They've sold their soul to the devil. Father, this is the last box of bullets. Is, is there any more ammunition? Let them say it's treason. But as Jeremiah has written, at least we have not spoken treason against the Lord. Father, are we committing treason against our country by being here? Certainly. Then there's no fight left in us. Men? Men? Stop! Stop! Don't reload! We thought we came to liberate the slaves, not to commit treason. Oliver, we have to give up. Too many deaths. Too many. How could you do this, Father? We never had a chance to win. What good is going to come out of this? After we're long gone, it must. Someday, good must come. You're bleeding, stop. Now, don't move till we get a stretcher. You, you're going out there? I have to. Look around you. Innocent men are dying because of me. I recruited some of these men. Oh, Father, how could you wage a war with one hand tied behind your back? You think I should have let you kill at random when we took the town? Would have delayed the alarm being given. Now Robert E. Lee is out there and soldiers coming from everywhere. They don't care who they kill. Two of our men have gone out with white flags and I've had to watch them being shot down. Look out there. Look out there. They've got a long ladder. A dozen men. They're going to use it as a battering ram to break down the doors. Father, everything is lost. For the Lord's sake, let's save ourselves. Give me a white shirt, somebody. Something white, a large handkerchief, anything. I'll get out there before they break down the doors. Stop. Stop. We surrender. Look. I have a white shirt. I... Over. Mr. Brown, I'm Senator Mason of Virginia. I understand you have been looked at by a doctor here at Harper's Ferry, and he says you are well enough to submit to a few questions. Senator, I came as quickly as I could. I received a wire from the president to conduct a preliminary inquiry. Uh, are you comfortable on that, uh... No, sir, Are you comfortable, Mr. Brown, lying in your own bloody clothes on some straw on the floor of the paymaster's office here in the arsenal? Say it. Master, disregard that from the prisoner. Among the other gentlemen here in this office is Colonel Washington and Governor Wise. And this is that Colonel Robert E. Lee, who conducted the assault on the engine house. I was told they sent down Colonel Lee with four companies of regular troops to kill off a handful of men. I can understand your bitterness, having lost your son. My sons, four sons, died between here and Kansas. Oh, 
Uh, can you tell us who furnished your expedition? I furnished most of it myself. I cannot implicate others. It is my own folly that I have been taken. You'd have us believe that no one sent you to Harper's Ferry. It was my own prompting and that of my maker. Or that of the devils, whichever you please to ascribe it to. How many are engaged with you in this movement? Any questions that I can honorably answer, I will. Not otherwise. I, I value my words, sir. What was your object in coming? We came to free the slaves. Only that. Mr. Brown, how do you justify your act? I think, my friend, you are the guilty one. Guilty of a great wrong against God and humanity. I say it without wishing to be offensive. I feel it is right for anyone to interfere with you so far as to free those you willfully and wickedly hold in bondage. I do not say this insultingly, Senator. I understand that. I think I did right. And that others will do right to interfere with you at any time and all times. Uh, this military organization of yours, you were the commander-in-chief. I was so chosen. Do you consider this a religious movement? It is, in my opinion, the greatest service a man can render to God. Who are your advisors in this movement? I cannot answer that. I am not alone in my deep feelings for those oppressed by the slave system. Oh, I don't suppose you are. Their cry of distress is the only thing that prompted me to come here. Why did you do it secretly? Because I thought that necessary to success. No other reason. Is there anything further that you wish to say? All of you people of the South had better prepare yourselves. <laughs> the sooner you are prepared, the better. Oh, you can dispose of me very easily. I'm nearly disposed of now. But as for the Negro question, the end of that is not yet. Suppose you had every Negro in the United States, Mr. Brown... What would you do with them? <laughs> Set them free. I think you are fanatical, sir. And I think you are fanatical, sir. Whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. And you are mad. Mr. Brown, the silver of your hair is reddened by the blood of crime. Where are you? I should think about eternity. Help me to my feet, someone. <clears throat> I... I wish to address the senator from Virginia standing up to him. Senator, I would say I have no more than 15 or 20 years head start on your journey to that eternity of which you so kindly warn me. There is an eternity behind us all and an eternity before. And the little speck in the center, however long, is but comparatively a minute. The difference between your tenure of life on earth and mine is trifling. And I tell you to be prepared. I am prepared. But let me have supper with you tonight, John. My dearest Marianne. They have been as kind as their consciences would permit. 
Now, I'll sit on this chair, and you sit on your cot, John. Have you been sleeping well? In the past 30 days since the verdict, I've slept perhaps 30 hours. Oh, John. I've thought a great deal about you, Marianne. And the children. I was outside the prison every day. I begged to see you. I thought they would never let me. People are capable of great tortures, are they not? What difference would it have made by tomorrow had they let you visit me? We must not talk about tomorrow. Have I... Have I failed, Marianne? Oh, no. You've won. No one will ever forget. I wrote my will today. I left all the boys and Ruth something and a Bible to each of our daughters-in-law. I want you to make sure they get as good a copy as can be bought in New York or Boston and pay as much as $5 for, for each Bible. I'll see they get their Bibles, John. And, and for the grandchildren, too. You can pay a little less for theirs. Three dollars, I would think, would be enough. Do we have to talk about your will now? What time do they bring the supper? I lose track of the time. When the sun passes the bars in the window, it's about five o'clock. Gets dark so early in December. Uh, Marianne. Yes? I was thinking today about the parlor of our house in North Alabama. How you put up with it for so long. Oh, I'm not sorry. I was proud, really, that we didn't have a stick of furniture in it. <gasps> well, people would come to the house when you were away and they'd look around at there not being a chair to sit on. And I'd say, the money my husband and I would have used to furnish our parlor, we gave it all to fugitive slaves. I've done as much as I could. John, don't let our last hours together make me remember you with pity. Am, am, am I pitying myself? It's not for you to say how much or how little you've accomplished. A greater judge will pass sentence. And he will say, John Brown, you belong with the angels. My dear wife, you've always exaggerated my better qualities. I saw only those, John. How are the youngsters? I send you the love of Ruth and of little Sarah. And I return it. Little Sarah said that all the children and the grandchildren, they all knew long ago that you were going to Harper's Ferry and what you intended to do there. Ah, supper for us both. Uh, bring it in, Jerry. Uh, this is my wife, Mary Ann. Oh, how do you? Uh, set the tray down on the table, will you please? <gasps> I can't remember when my husband and I were able to be together and enjoy a nice, quiet supper. There was always something to do. Now, there is nothing to be done and we can sit here and eat and talk and remember the old times. <laughs> Before he was led away to be hanged, he handed this note to his jailer. I, John Brown, am now quite certain that the crimes of this guilty land will never be purged away 
but with blood. I had, as I now think, vainly flattered myself that without very much bloodshed, it might be done. Unquote. I shall return shortly. On the following July the 4th, the great Henry David Thoreau stood at a house in North Elba and spoke of the last six months of John Brown's life. It was meteor-like, said Thoreau, flashing through the darkness in which we live. I know of nothing so miraculous in our history. I meet him at every turn. He is more alive today than he ever was. He has earned immortality. He is no longer working in secret. He works in public and in the clearest light that shines on this land. Our cast included Fred Gwynn, Terry Keene, Russell Horton, and Robert Dryden. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Harold, you come in here and call me a dumb machine for my face. Alice, keep out of this. I've got a visitor. I don't care who you're talking to. I am not a dumb machine. Well, I, I'm sorry. I didn't know you had someone in there. No, it's, it's not uh, someone. It's, it's just Alice, uh, Oh, Mrs. Haberman, I don't see any mention here of a wife. I'm sorry, I'm leaving. Harold, are you coming in here, or shall I? Stop it! We're coming in, we're coming in. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it threatens me. Short circuit. I haven't been able to insulate the microchips in, in, in such a way to prevent it. There's a computer in there talking like that. Yeah, and worse than that, it thinks. What did you say, Harold? Harold! Uh, Alice, I said it thinks. Uh, Mr. Johnson, uh, would you come on? Just follow me into the bedroom and meet Alice. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.